This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, the host, and I take you on the journey of my own trauma healing and share real, raw, and authentic life situations. My mission is to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you, provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need, and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. If you haven't yet, click the follow button and leave a review. Also, check out the Habits You Love community on Facebook where you can find even more resources, healing practices, and support. Now, let's get to the episode. guys welcome back another episode excited to bring you this one this week because it is a very well I think it's very important but it was a very pivotal time in my life discovering this so we're going to talk about mostly about the negative emotion shame there's three major negative emotions that continually play throughout our lives guilt shame and anxiety but shame is the biggest negative emotion that it really just grips its claws into all areas of your life. And I remember exactly the moment when I discovered that I had shame. I mean, shame was just never a word that I associated with myself. I always thought maybe I was shy. I, you know, had embarrassing moments growing up. I was humble. That's what I always used to say. I'm just a humble person. So I didn't like to be the center of attention. I didn't like to put myself out there and be the loud, the loud person that everyone's looking at. You know, I just never portrayed myself as like this big, bubbly, bright person. Although I could be outgoing, I never wanted to be the center of attention. And when I realized that this was shame, everything changed. (laughs) So the exact moment I realized this. I will never forget. I was driving in the car with my ex and I had just read the book literally called Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety, Understanding and Overcoming Negative Emotions. It's by Peter Bregan. I'll link it in the show notes. For whatever reason, that was one of the top three books that I read when I started my healing journey back in 2020 or 2019, maybe. I don't remember when I read this, but I'm... um, 
I think it was 2020, the beginning of 2020. And I had no idea why I picked it up. Whatever. I just picked it up from the bookstore. I really wanted to start learning more about myself, clearly, after my rock bottom. So I picked this up and I read it. And I was like, holy crap. Shame has been running my life this entire time. I had no idea. I had no idea. I mean, shame is very convoluted and it's not just a finite, you have shame. It's there's so many factors that could play into it or where it came from and how it was instilled in you or developed. And there's so many different ways that could happen, but shame crushes our identity. Like I said, it sticks its nasty claws in everything that we do. It makes us feel excluded from our family, from society, from the very source of our childhood identity. And so I read this book and in the shame part where there were sections of shame because they broke it up, I highlighted almost every single freaking word. And I was like, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And then they have you go in and like score, not really score, but they do list out here are some causes of guilt. And if you may have it, here is shame, here is anxiety. And I highlighted all the ones that I had and I had the most in shame. So I was like, yep, shame is my number one negative emotion. So let's get into what shame means. So for one, the root word of shame means to cover, which is exactly what we do, right? We hide ourselves from view. The actual definition of shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Shame is also a deep emotional response that really has no good place in our lives, but it is a universal human experience. So it's built into us by natural selection and triggered in early childhood before we can even remember. Another thing is shame is also the most difficult emotion to identify within ourselves because we feel ashamed to do so. So it's a vicious cycle of, I don't want to know that I have shame because I am so ashamed that if I knew I had shame, I would be even more shameful. Like it's just (laughs) so confusing. But like I said, it's so convoluted. It It can happen so many different ways, but I would say shame definitely runs a lot of people's lives. So just really quickly before we get into examples of how I think I developed shame, I want to talk about the impact of shame and the ways it can shape our lives. So for one, people who live with shame often avoid relationships vulnerability and community. So they tend to hide or self-conceal and people who feel ashamed hide from community and friendship. They avoid vulnerability and never share their true selves with the world, which is so sad, right? I mean, no one is perfect and it's all an imperfect world. And I think shame really holds us back from sharing our creativity or our, like I, like, like vulnerability or just showing up as our true selves. Like we're also individually different that we, but we are ashamed when we are not like other people. So anyway, more on that later Two people who live with shame are prone to suppressing their emotions. Hello, me. Shame is associated with suppression of emotions, mainly in women. Hello, me. People who feel ashamed of who they are or ashamed of something that happened to them often keep their thoughts and feelings wrapped up inside, which is never good because when we suppress so much feeling and emotion, that's when a lot of unresolved things can cause physical illness, mental illness, all the things. So we definitely want to be able to share and get that stuff out. 
Number three, people who live with shame often feel worthless, depressed, and anxious. Shame can be a contributing factor in depression, anxiety, low self-esteem. They live out a very difficult emotional and mental battle every single day, which obviously those three factors, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, waking up with those every single day would be so debilitating. I mean, we just have to make sure we're working through these things. Number four, people who live with shame are less likely to take healthy risks. So one way that shame has been conceptualized is as a defense against being devalued by others. So shame keeps people from making decisions that would lead others to devalue them. So essentially, they just don't put themselves out there in fear of what other people might say about them or what they are trying to do, right? People who deal with shame sometimes only make decisions about jobs, relationships, and school that they feel certain will end well. That is very scary. So they don't take healthy risks. And lastly, people who live with shame are more likely to relapse back into problem behaviors. So research shows that people who struggle with alcoholism are more likely to relapse back into drinking if they experience shame. So people who are ashamed of their behavior sometimes purposely continue in that behavior because they don't believe that change or healing is possible. Shame can be the reason people choose not to take steps toward healing, which maybe was the reason why I didn't for so long. But I am forever grateful that I found this book. It's still one of the top three books that I recommend to people when they are starting their healing journeys it just it just changed everything in the way I it even changed the way that I was healing myself. It was like, oh crap, I have a lot of shame to work through. Let's dive deep into how to get rid of this shame. So a couple of ways that shame was showing in my life or digging this claws into my life and making me just retract and constrict myself in so many ways. Here's a couple of things. And these are very silly and they're kind of very hard to talk about or share, but hey, I'm shameless now, right? (laughs) I'm completely shameless now. So I can totally talk about these things and I really don't care. So, okay. As I stated in my podcast, I experienced a lot of things that I didn't want other people to know or to find out. So I got really good at hiding, shrinking, hiding, whatever. So I wouldn't stand out, right? So a couple of things I can distinctly remember. Again, these are very silly. As a kid, your feelings are so valid and they're also so scary. Okay, so one of the reasons or one of the ways. Growing up every year in elementary school, I'm sure you guys remember this, but you would have an ear check and an eye check to see if you had good hearing and good vision. I can't remember exactly what year that I started to have bad vision, but I remember I would go into the nurse's office and I still remember the way this office looked, the way the nurse looked, everything. She was super, super sweet, but I had bad vision and every year she would give me a note to give to my parents to tell me that I needed to go get glasses because I could not see. I could literally not see. You don't understand how hard I tried to like squint my eyes and like really see the letters and numbers that were on the screen. You know, you put your head in this little like, look like an old computer and you have to like the screen so far away. Anyway, so I needed glasses. I, I, I really did. Like I really needed glasses, you guys. But for years, I never gave the notes to my parents. I did not want glasses. 
why didn't I want glasses? Because I thought it would make me look silly. I thought it would make me get made fun of. I didn't want to be picked on by other kids. So I was so, I was like already feeling this feelings of shame before that even happened. So I was trying to prevent feelings of shame by not giving the note to my parents. So I didn't have to get glasses so I wouldn't get picked on. And I distinctly remembered these feelings. Like I can feel them in my stomach right now, like how debilitating it was. And I was like, so again, I had to hide. Not only did I have to hide the fact that I could not see, and like, I think I sat in the front row of class every single year. You know, you pick your seat and you, you always wanted, I wanted to be front row because I couldn't see. And I never gave the notes to my parents. Like, I don't, I think I even at one point, you know, she probably called them. I mean, she had to have like Kayla every year still doesn't have glasses. So Anyway, that was one of the reasons. So then I have to ask myself, why did I think these things would happen? Why did I think I was going to get made fun of? Like, why couldn't I be that cool kid in school with the glasses, you know? So this pinpoints back to my perfectionistic mother who instilled in me to try to be perfect, look perfect, act perfect. Having glasses to me didn't feel like perfection. So I tried to avoid the feelings of shame by shrinking and hiding myself, and that is not just a one-off instance. That continues in all different areas of your life. When you do it once, you know you can do it again, right? Okay, another reason. I, growing up, had a really big nose. If you know me now and you didn't know me back then, I had a rhinoplasty. I had surgery on my nose in 2014. So I was always super embarrassed about that. Like, I hated my nose. I would get made fun of really not too much. And I'm sure it was being done more than I actually knew, but I just never liked my nose. So again, I would hide. I would restrict myself. I wouldn't want to be the center of attention. I wouldn't want to put myself out there because if I was out there, people would see my nose and if I saw my nose, they would bully me or make fun of me. And if they bullied me or made fun of me, I would feel ashamed. So again, trying to just prevent the feelings of shame altogether. Okay. Another really silly thing that I had growing up. I feel like I had a lot of problems with my body, (laughs) but I had like a really weird sweating problem in middle school to where I would just like have sweaty armpits and I was always so embarrassed by it. So of course I would only wear clothes that didn't show sweat or like a lot of black clothes or a lot of like jackets or whatever. So again, trying to hide, trying to hide, (laughs) trying to hide so many things all the time. So like looking back into my childhood, I'm like, wow, I had so much shame. There was just a lot of things that were causing me to shrink and shrink and shrink myself down. And that was definitely one of the things that my therapist said. She was like, you just, you have a voice. And I know I've said this, you have a voice inside of you. You just have covered it up so much that you don't know what it is anymore. You don't know who you are anymore. You don't know your identity anymore. And that is exactly what shame was doing to my life, was running the show of my life. So shame crushes our individuality, our creativity, and willingness to love. Fearful of what others think of us, we avoid being noticed, inhibit ourselves, or overreact angrily or defensively. So this went on all the way into my adulthood, and I didn't want to stand out ever. I never wanted to be the center of attention. I got super frantic if I had to be the center of attention in some way. You know, speech classes, just anything where I had to be in front of people, major anxiety set in. I mean, like, chest 
beating out of or heart beating out of my chest, sweaty palms, frantic, just whew, all over the place. So when I realized I had shame, I read this book and I related really heavily to shame. Guilt and anxiety were a close second and third. So for each section, they give you 20 examples of guilt, 20 examples of shame, 20 examples of anxiety. So out of the 20 self-defeating feelings, I had 13 of the shame feeling. So here are the 13 that I resonated with. So being quiet and shy, feeling sensitive, feeling underappreciated, feeling rejected, being concerned about what other people think of you, wishing you could have had the last word, keeping your thoughts and feelings to yourself to avoid embarrassment, not wanting to seem stupid or inappropriate, being concerned about failing rather than about doing something bad, being a perfectionist, being distrustful or suspicious, avoiding being the center of attention, feeling like withdrawing or shutting people out. Here are the seven other ones if you guys want to know. Maybe you can relate to these two. The other seven are blushing uncontrollably, which maybe I did do that. <laughs> feeling used, feeling you are small or have little impact on people, worrying that people don't treat you with enough respect, feeling taken advantage of, feeling left out, different, or like an outsider, or feeling like shrinking violet or a wallflower. So those are the most common self-defeating feelings and emotions about shame. So how shame can run our lives. Shame can run our lives with passive expressions. So what does this mean? So being shy or withdrawn is passive expression. So we passively react to shame in many ways. So one of these ways is trying to be perfect or becoming shy. We tell ourselves that we don't like other people when really we are afraid that no one will like us. We focus on being perfect, but we feel worse than perfect. We feel nearly worthless, and we may wonder if we have anything in common with other people. Despite this, our deepest conviction is that other people do not respect us, care for us, or give us any credit. This is why we want to avoid them or act defensively. So shame drives shyness as a passive response. When we are shy, we are actually really afraid. So what are we afraid of? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are afraid of other people. 
Shyness is nothing more than a built-in self-defeating reaction to the fear of being ashamed or humiliated, right? So we are shy because we are afraid of the consequences of being more open, forthright, or assertive. We are shy because we have experienced too much information in the form of being belittled, ridiculed, ignored, unloved, or unappreciated. So we immediately just start to shrink ourselves because that's so much safer, easier, more comforting than putting ourselves out there and taking the chance or the risk of feeling any of those feelings back of being belittled, ignored, unloved, and appreciated. And that doesn't just happen automatically. That's like trial and error. That's actually putting yourself out there and getting ignored. That's putting yourself out there and getting rejected. And so over time, you just start to say, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't want to feel shamed. I don't want to feel all those feelings. They really hurt. Perfectionism. I have a lot to say about this. Here's what I wrote down. This is not a positive goal. It is an attempt to avoid criticism for being perfect. Shame corrodes our most precious and important aspirations. So just like I said a little bit ago, a little girl who wants love from her parents, but they reject her when she reaches out. A little boy who wants his father's attention, but is ignored or laughed at when he lets his needs show. A child who is impoverished or in a dysfunctional family who wants to become a doctor, an athlete, or an artist, but is put down by his family, teachers, or peers. So this goes back to like learning shame and like stopping over time to even say what you want, put yourself out there, or ask for what you want or need. So here are some active expressions of shame. When we feel shameful, we feel powerless. We feel unable to have any impact. We feel we do not matter to anyone at all. This is what motivates our anger at other people. We believe they are making us feel inconsequential. Wherever there is abuse, violence, bullying, this is usually driven by underlying feelings of inferiority and weakness. So, for example, a man who towers over his girlfriend or wife actually feels at her mercy. Anything from a perceived slight of refusal to remain obedient to him stimulates his unconscious feelings of powerlessness from childhood. Envy and shame. When other people accomplish things we have been afraid to do, to try, or maybe we failed at doing, we are likely to feel envious towards them. They have indirectly shamed us by what they have accomplished. So honestly, I think envy is good. I think envy shows you what you want. There's a difference between envious and jealousy, but I think envy is good because it's it's painful for you to see because you want it too. So that's when you're like, huh, if someone I know has that job and they're thriving and they're loving it and I'm envious of them, it's maybe because I want that job too. I want to impact people in that way too. I want that relationship too. I want that freedom too. I want that life too. So envy can actually be a really good way to figure out what you want out of life. Like I can look at so many things and not feel envious. It's because I don't want them. I'm not envious of every single thing, but I am envious of some people that have some things I want, but that's only pointing back to me and reflecting what I truly desire. When we feel envious, we need to take it as a signal that we are being held back by primitive self-defeating emotions that keep us from advancing in our own lives. So instead of feeling envious toward people, we can change the stories in our head and say, if they did it, I can do it too. So this is a really interesting topic. The next thing I'm going to say is feeling ashamed and advanced. And I just had this conversation with someone. I think it's super interesting. So this is where we try to avoid feelings of shame. 
feeling ashamed in advance. We become experts at anticipating and avoiding situations in which we might be embarrassed. We will avoid potentially embarrassing experiences, maybe like love or authentic connections with other people and intense emotions of any kind. Also, this means that you try to shame someone before they can shame you. That is your defense mechanism to not feeling shamed. You shame someone before they can shame you. So that's feeling ashamed and advanced, right? So before you can get to me, I'm going to make sure that I leave you with feelings of shame to where you're so belittled, you don't snap back at me and say anything that's going to crush me as it has done my entire life. We can also stop taking risks associated with trying to be more creative. We may never consciously feel ashamed. So things we may avoid because we anticipate shame. Here's a couple of things. Number one. Public speaking, obviously, this is everyone's like, what, their number one worst nightmare of speaking in public, Uh, showing creative work to other people, entering into athletics or a competition, speaking our mind in front of other people, making jokes or telling stories in groups, reaching out to a friend in need, taking an unusual or unpopular stance based on principle. And I know I've really had all of these things in some way. I've never wanted to, I've not wanted to share certain things or if I'm in a group of people, like if I tell a joke and no one laughs, I'll be (laughs) super embarrassed. I'm just going to save myself that, you know, so that can all definitely play a factor in ways we avoid feeling this, you know, high, high sense of shame. A couple of ways we protect ourselves when it comes to shame. Number one is we make preemptive shame strikes. And I love this. You can do this with anything. You can do it with guilt and anxiety too. So at the slightest hint that a situation or a person might make them feel embarrassed or humiliated, what do we do? We do it ourselves. Have you ever said, I know I'm stupid. You don't have to tell me. I know I'm boring. I know I should have gotten over this a long time ago, etc." So this only makes us become our own enemy before someone else can. So we make preemptive shame strikes on ourselves. So that way, when we know someone else is going to say it, it's like we're almost already agreeing with them. And so it's not piercing as bad into us. You didn't think that. And someone said it about you like, oh, like that would hurt way worse. But if you go ahead and say it and then they disagree with you or you disagree with them, it really takes away from the sting of shame. Another way that we try to protect ourselves is the masks of pride and perfection. So have you ever known like a very beautiful woman or man or like a couple, like a very beautiful woman, you know, is also with a very beautiful man and vice versa. And then when you really get to know them, they're like really shy, really standoffish and just not really outgoing at all. Just very like in their own little world. This may be that they try to make their appearance as flawless as possible to hide their feelings of being flawed. So perfectionism is so common, so common, yet it's so debilitating in our lives. To be perfect means to be preoccupied with never making mistakes. Can you imagine like never making a mistake? It stifles innovation, exciting new ideas, creativity, other potentially imperfect self-expressions. So when we avoid making mistakes, we also constrict our imaginations, our desires, and activities. I just always thought I was shy, but I was really just trying to be perfect. I was shrinking myself down 
do not make a mistake. I thought if I avoided situations at all cost, I could save myself ahead of time. Shaming in advance. So in my story, I do share how both of my parents went into mental hospitals and were diagnosed with all sorts of things. Paranoia, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, bipolar, I don't know, all the things. And I have my own opinion about mental illness and what it is and where it comes from. But after doing research on my own about shame and all the negative emotions, I've learned a lot. And I am just such a big believer in unresolved emotions causing mental or chemical imbalances. And I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, a psychotherapist, psychiatrist, all the things. I'm not any of those. But I've witnessed firsthand a lot of these things. And I know my dad was not schizophrenic. I know my mom was not paranoid. I know these things. These were just, I just think they were emotionally wounded. Emotionally wounded people withdraw into themselves and into those intensely personal, fragmented, nightmarish worlds we call all of those diagnoses. Schizophrenia, mania, psychosis. I think they're usually suffering from overwhelming shame reactions. Unbearably burned by inflictions of shame, they no longer dare to be with people. And that is exactly what my parents did. They shut everyone out. They shut everyone out of the house, out of their lives, didn't want anyone to know what was going on with them. So much shame revolved around that situation for two years, longer than that. I don't even know. But I really think we're missing the boat on this. And I really, really, really think, and I've said this before, the unresolved trauma both my parents had was just so debilitating in their lives. And I think shame played a large part. So... By telling people that, you know, these distressed, quote unquote, people that they have biochemical imbalances or genetic disorders or mental illnesses, I think psychiatry misleads them. It worsens their humiliation and feelings of exclusion. So they are not suffering from biochemical imbalances. They are suffering from unbearable humiliation in their lives, whatever that may be. So I'm not going to talk too much about that because again, I'm not well-versed in it. I'm not any of those things. I'm not a doctor therapist, but that's just my opinion. (laughs) And I think holistically, I think we can do so much in our lives by healing our trauma by not letting trauma go unresolved. No matter how hard it is, because it's very hard, but it's so very worth it on the other side. My journey to ending shame, once I discovered that I had it, first I had to sit with it. I had to process all the emotions and feelings that came up when I realized it and all the memories flooding back into me about how I could have gotten it and where it came from. And there were a lot. There were a lot of moments in my life causing a lot of shame. The biggest thing that helped me was, of course, talking about it talking to my therapist about it, openly saying out loud, wow, I have a lot of shame, openly being vulnerable and acceptive of the fact that I had to work on it, getting it out, and then also understanding that those weren't intentionally instilled in me. It's just what I picked up as a child that continually looped in my brain and programmed into me until I did something about it. So how can we or you or anyone overcome shame or any negative emotion for that matter? Like I said, the top three are guilt, shame, and anxiety. So maybe you have more guilt, maybe you have more anxiety, whatever whatever you have. So I recommend reading this book for sure, um, and that would really help you understand. But 
here are a couple ways that you can start to overcome shame. So acknowledge that there is a problem, which is what I first and foremost had to do. So you must realize that you suffer from shame, which is not necessarily easy given shame's many disguises. So again, really diving deep into shame where you could have picked it up, thinking of all the stories in your head that may have caused shame. Number two, sharing the problem. Feelings of shame are easy to dismiss if you share them with an empathetic person. So in that case, that was my therapist. Every single week for a year, getting all that shame out, scooping it out like an ice cream scoop, just trying to get it out of my system. But even though shame is a universal experience, nobody likes to talk about it. Nobody. We all experience, no one wants to talk about it. This is nevertheless necessary to start the healing process. It's so important. Acknowledge it, share it. Number three, look for the origins. Try to better understand where your shameful feelings came from, come from. Were there people in your life who told you that you were not good enough? What situations tend to make you think that you're stupid or you should question yourself? Why have I done this? Why did it go this way? What did I do wrong? In an excessive way, have people done that throughout your life? Through deeper discussion, you can pinpoint where your shame comes from. Number four, recognize the signs. When you feel the first sting of shame. Try to understand what's happening before you get locked into a pigeonhole of negative self-talk. Figure out what negative physical and emotional effects shame is having on you right then and there. For example, where in your body do you feel the shame? What kind of emotional reactions do you have? Another indicator of shame is being highly critical of other people. So too often people who are shame prone see their own faults mirrored. If you become attuned to your inner dialogue and expand your capacity for self-observation, you may respond to your feelings of shame in a more constructive manner. So it's very important. Recognize the signs in real time when it's happening, what your body's doing, what is mirroring to you that is saying, I have shame, and then work on your inner dialogue. Be in tune with yourself. Number five, learn to forgive yourself, which is what I really had to do. You must learn to separate what you do from who you are. I'm going to say that again. You must learn to separate what you do from who you are. If you realize that your whole identity isn't on the line when something doesn't work out for you, you will be so much more freer to take risks. I think a lot of people don't take risks because they say, what if I fail? What will that make of me? What will that say about me? And that's just not true. What you do and who you are are two totally separate things. You will be able to retain perspective when your inner critic comes to the forefront. Eventually, you will see self-doubt as a warning sign that it's time to reframe the situation. Forgiveness to yourself also implies cultivating self-compassion and embracing who you are instead of struggling to meet the expectations of others, whether real or imagined. You should treat yourself in the same respectful way in which you treat people you really care about. Lastly, we need to take responsibility for all of our actions. We need to be grateful and we need to decide to go after what we truly value in life. All resentment and all regret die of irrelevance and lack of sustenance and we can become truly prosperous emotionally.
Speaking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.